You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, welcome to the RUV English podcast. My name's Darren Adam. Thank you very much for your company. And as it is Monday, we usually start the week by reflecting on the week that's just been in Iceland. And we're certainly going to do that today in the company of my colleague Pieter Magnusson here at RUV, making his return visit um, to the podcast. Because, of course, you guided us through a story that absolutely dominated towards the end of last year and much of the start of this year, the the pay dispute, the dispute between Epling and SA, which already seems like a very long time ago, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm also very happy that we're both here to, well, hopefully have a more informal chat, but also that we're in the same room because last time we did this over Zoom, so I'm very yeah. happy to be able to make eye contact with you. And, uh, likewise, and, yeah. And, and we did try to make eye contact on Zoom, but, but for anyone that wasn't aware, I was unexpectedly back in the UK that week and I was sitting at our kitchen table in Edinburgh. It's also generally <laughs> very difficult to make eye contact while talking about such uh, heavy labour issues. So, yes, uh, so it, it is. Hopefully yes. today will be better. Okay, I'm, I'm certain it will. And, and, and last time was absolutely splendid. So thank you for guiding us through what was a very complicated story. I Absolutely. Think, you know, yeah, a lot and, and of people are pleased that it's come to a resolution. It's it's one of these stories where if you only follow the news that are happening now, it, it can be very dense and, and yeah. uh, sort of impenetrable. So so the the historical context is is very important when dealing with such issues. So I'm happy yeah. to, to be able to shed some light on, well, on that. That podcast episode is still available. You can still find that on the player and in all the usual places if you want to take yourself back to a, uh, to that particular time for whatever reason, or if you want a refresher on what Epling is and what SA is, is in case we need to wrestle with those terms ever again. Um, but let's start today with another story that's actually moving very quickly. We're sitting here recording this on Monday morning, and by the time this podcast is published a few hours from now, Things may have moved on again. We don't know. This is the investigations that continue into the killing of a Polish man in Hypnifjerda on Thursday evening. Police have found the weapon thought to have been used to kill the man. There is a, a video as well, which is thought to have been or claimed to have been filmed by, <coughs> excuse me, one of the defendants in this case. And as we sit here, police are still investigating that and just making sure that it is what it's thought to be. Yeah, and and when this episode is published, we will almost certainly have some developments. Uh, I, w- I will continue doing do some reporting today, and and um, we'll have some some well, most likely new things to say uh, during sort of the evening news uh, tonight. Yeah. Uh, but what we know now is pretty much the same things as we did last night, which is that the defendants are in custody. Now, three of them are under eighteen. Uh, so that complicated things. One of them is is now uh, 18 years old. So he is in sort of regular custody, if we call it that. But the, th- the three uh, defendants who are younger than 18, they uh, will have a right to be in custody with child services. Mm. But uh, due to some issues there, one of them didn't get a space there. So he is now in in uh, well solitary confinement in headless, uh, in in uh, an adult prison in the is- prison so, so so one of these four is an adult and is therefore in prison anyway but one of them is is a minor under 18 and is in prison but but ordinarily that wouldn't be the case this is because of problems with space yeah yeah he, he yeah, just yeah. just uh, they they weren't able to to 
we'll figure out a solution to to have yeah. him in custody with child services. And actually, I think earlier this morning, Anna Christian Newton, who is a psychologist and director of the Department of Correctional Services, saying that with regard to this minor, obviously this isn't best practice. I don't think it's even compliant with the law, is it? But um, she said, first of all, we try to make these conditions as bearable as possible. For example, they're not locked in a room or cell as is usually done. It's a remedy that should only be used for a short a time as possible, preferably not for children. So that is one interesting angle uh, to what is a very tragic case. And the Polish community in Iceland, understandably very angry, very shaken by what's happened. Absolutely. Uh, the police hasn't come out with uh, any specifics about what happened there. We know sort of the general, the broad uh, sort of, uh, yeah, the broad details of what mm. happened. Uh, but it's it's very chilling, especially due to the age of of all people. The the, the victim was was in his late twenties, and mm. and as we've said, the the four defendants are um, are younger than twenty. Uh, so this is. This is something that we'll be covering for a while because yeah. the uh, the trials will absolutely if well if there if there will be trials but will be very um, challenging yeah. I believe this kind of violence is still shocking in Iceland because it is still relatively rare I mean this is no longer the country that famously only ever sent one person to prison for murder but but nonetheless it is still relatively rare and and that's why it's shocking isn't it that's why there's a tension on this absolutely and and this is uh, sort of a continuation of a trend that has been going on since uh, I believe the pandemic whereas uh, there is concerned about young people now carrying weapons mm. uh, people 13 14 up to maybe 20 are now um, increasingly carrying knives and even sort of bats and, and other kind of weaponry uh, going about their daily business. We've had a few cases where people bring weapons to to uh, secondary schools. Mm -hmm. uh, a recent case where where uh, a young woman was expelled from, from FAO, uh, sort of secondary school in, in Reykjavik, for, for threatening her... Uh, her uh, fellow students with yeah. with a knife. So this is uh, uh, what is I think shocking about this um, for people who have been following this for a long time is that it's a logical sort of conclusion of of this this is the worst case scenario of this development we've been seeing for yeah. three or four years. Do we know why young people are carrying weapons? Because other countries have tried to answer this question. The UK famously. A lot of young people carry weapons in the belief that it makes them safer from other people with weapons. And, of course, all the data shows that's just not true. If you if you carry a knife or carry a gun, you're more likely to be involved in uh, a crime using one of those weapons, either as a victim or a perpetrator, than if you don't. What's the best guess in Iceland as to why young people are starting to carry weapons? Is that question being answered or, or asked even? So it's it's often difficult for for adults like us to try to sort it's of pen, pen, penetrate youth culture because yeah. this is a, a, almost certainly a, a question of culture. Uh, there is some kind of a dynamic that makes people, young people, um, feel like they have to or, or want to carry weapons with them. It might be safety. It might be something else. Mm. Um, but this isn't, this isn't, uh, even though it's it's sort of new in the larger context, this hasn't this hasn't happened before. We haven't seen many instances in Icelandic history where people feel 
compelled to to carry weapons. There, there's always been some uh, aspects of youth culture that's violent and and mm. sort of fighting has been been something that we've seen a lot. Um, but this type of of young people carrying weapons, going to school, going to hang out with friends after dinner, uh, this is very new. And, and I I think many people are sort of struggling how to deal with this because yeah. um, we don't have the history of of having to deal with weapons at yeah. all. Yeah. Well, as you say, developments doubtless will follow today and in the next few days. But as things stand, the four accused are in custody until Thursday of this week, aren't they? Yes, the police have, have also announced that they are looking for ways to maybe release them earlier because of their age, especially okay. those younger than than 18. Um, because them being suspects of a possible murder and being under 18, it complicates mm. things immensely and, and everyone's to uh, to uh, well finish this as as quickly as possible. Well, we've talked about the risk that is posed by young people with weapons to other people, but also to themselves. Another risk to very young children of a completely different nature is something we've talked about this week. This is the story that medicines and vitamins are increasingly being sold in forms that are very attractive to children as fruit-flavoured gummies, presumably on the basis that if you want kids to take their medicine, you make it taste nice, I guess. But this is having an, an, an unfortunate side effect because these these little gummy sweets look so much like sweets, they look so much like nummy, that children are, are gobbling them down in potentially dangerous um, uh, quantities. And this is a, a new concern. Yeah, I, I think also, from from my view, these are two different stories. And I, I think it's it can be problematic to conflate them. Because first of all, it's this, this terrible example in Selfos a few days ago where a young child... Um, well, took a, a, or ate gummies infused with cannabis, mm, mm, um, mm. which was um, sort of a, also a really shocking story where where the child's grandmother had, for some reason, uh, a um, or her uh, her car was uh, had some gummies with cannabis in them. I don't. I'm trying to be careful about the phrasing because yes. apparently it was not the grandma who who was in possession of of these. No, but these but gummies. in the vehicle, yes, those those gummies existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that sparked this whole debate. But then the second story, because cannabis in in gummy form is is also something that's quite new, has been rare, uh, but since. Uh, well, according to to a, a pal of mine in in the University of Iceland who studies this, um, since the legalization of cannabis in some states in the U.S., mm. uh, cannabis in in gummy form has become more uh, more uh, popular mm. uh, and and has been sort of entering the Icelandic market at some point. And, and uh, there are some reasons why people are choosing to to now eat cannabis who want to consume cannabis. Yes. But then it's the second issue of of vitamins. Mm. Uh, which is uh, something that is yeah, specifically marketed towards children and, and, and is of course legal, and, perfectly yes. legal. So that's the other distinction yeah, that we have yeah, to draw. Yeah, and as just well. some some regular vitamins that that yeah. you are encouraged to take. Um, but there have been examples of children reaching these vitamins yeah. and and eating a lot of them, which is causing uh, poisonings from 
vitamins that should already be, be in the body. So Yes, and I guess if you are a child and you consume 50 or 60 or 100 times the recommended dose of any vitamin, then that is going to have an unpleasant effect. Maybe not a, a, a fatal one, we hope, but certainly... Uh, unpleasant, and indeed Helena Lindell Balvinsdottir, who's an expert in toxicology uh, at the, uh, the the main hospital in, in Reykjavik, the Poisons Centre, saying that they've been getting more and more calls lately because of these poisonings, and not just the gummy bears, but also pills which are sugar-coated, which contain vitamins as well, which, again, is going to taste like nami, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, uh, in in sort of when I'm discussing this with other people, there is a tendency to conflate these two very different issues oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, of of the yeah. form is the same, but but the context and the market and sort of uh, because you can't draw the conclusion then that uh, that people are now um, or I've I've talked to a person who thought that now companies were were. Uh, marketing cannabis gummies to children, which mm, is not true. Mm, that's, yeah, yeah. that's still very much an illegal product that yes. isn't being marketed to anyone unless you're no, looking it, for cannabis. It, indeed, but it is, it is interesting, isn't it, that this legal form of medicine, this legal form of vitamin enhancement, um, because of the way it's being marketed, is potentially dangerous to to children. So yeah, they are two very different stories, but they're united by the form, as you absolutely as, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something for um, for parents to certainly be uh, aware of. And indeed, the ultimate advice from Helena at the hospital is is just not to not to have vitamins or medicines in in this form. I don't know how easily. I'm not a parent myself. I don't know how easy it is to persuade children to take their medicine or their vitamins if they. If they don't have it in a form that's <laughs> enjoyable to them, yeah, maybe it's it's maybe high reward, high risk, uh, yeah, as many yeah. other things. But I, I've tried these these vitamin gummies, and and sort of as someone with a developed nummy palate, it's it's not very <laughs> tasty. It's but I, no. I can, it's it's very sugary, which which makes it very appealing. To yeah, kids. when I was in the states, I got some um, melatonin um, gummies, which I took back to to Iceland and uh, I don't think they can be well they can be sold at very low strength I think in in Iceland can't they um they can be legally sold at higher strength in the USA and and yes they they come in in quite pleasant strawberry gummy form but if what if you know if you want to binge on strawberry gummies there are better ways to do it cheaper ways to do it as well than yeah, so, by digging into a tub of melatonin yeah so it's good the podcast officially <laughs> recommends sort of non-medicine enhanced gummies. exactly go you know go for your life have as many strawberry gummies as you want just make sure they don't contain vitamins or melatonin okay um I was briefly uh, affected by the next story, but not in a way that I realised for a couple of days. This was the payment processor Rapid last week, finally saying they'd fixed all the errors that were showing up in a number of MasterCard payments. Now, my debit card is a MasterCard debit card, and I noticed that some of the payments that I'd made, some of the things I'd bought, the payments were on hold. I didn't realise for a couple of days that was probably connected to this. Some MasterCard customers were because the decimal point had moved um paying or it looked like they were paying a hundred times i think as much for items as they actually did which must have been quite frightening when yeah those there were some re- some reports uh, last week of people going to bonus and getting a uh, buying their grocery store uh, buying the groceries uh, or getting a cup, cup of coffee and and being charged uh, sort of the amount that would cost to buy a small vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and obviously that's an error. But even when you know that that's not something you've done, even when you know you've not spent 
60,000 kroner on a coffee or whatever, it's still frightening to see that. And a lot of people were quite concerned until this mistake was was recognised. And and it seems to have come down to um, the the way that Rapid now deal with the kroner in their accounts. Yes. So Rapid, until recently, was known as as Valitor, which was an Icelandic company. But they've recently changed their name. They've gone more global and... and, uh, well, there are some speculations. If, if there might have been a mistake there, from from being sort of primarily a global fintech company, uh, mm. but I think we'll we'll try to figure out the sort of details later. But uh, but yeah, due to well, among other things, well, Bregi Karlsson at Nathan Bastowen, the the consumer agency, um, they had apparently numerous conversations with mm. with customers that this has happened to and, and they sort of made an appeal and, and pressured on on rapid to to fix the problem i wonder if there would have been complaints or concern if the decimal point had moved two places in the other direction so if everyone was getting massive discounts yeah there would have been been been, uh, <laughs> been complaints from the companies and, and then they wouldn't have to go to any yeah. kind of agency it would have been, been fixed yeah. much sooner then I you think. could buy a car for the price of a coffee which i think would be a better deal for consumers wouldn't it to be honest it would. It would. Um, now, on the first day of summer, which I didn't realise was a holiday, so I turned up for work on Thursday last week. It was good to see you. It, it was, was. It was, it was great was to be here. Yes, really fun to have, have, have breakfast. Then. <laughs> um, you were working, of course, and you were out on location at the new Icelandic house. It was named. Was it named on Thursday? Is that when it got its name? When so, you were there? Yeah, it was named on on Wednesday. On Wednesday, and then it was open to the public on on the first day of summer. Okay, and the name given was. It was at. Which is both an Icelandic, very Icelandic name, but but also worldwide recognition for that name as well. People yes. know what it is. So it's it's an it's an Icelandic name of the unknown origin, which make which makes it kind of mysterious and, and fun. Uh, but it is famous, or famous, it's notable uh, due to the poetic Edda, which mm. is is the the book. Uh, written by Snorri Sturluson, uh, sort of a, a famous academic from the 12th century, uh, detailing uh, sort of the Nordic uh, religious gods. And, and uh, so most of the things we know and, and mm. see in, in our blockbuster movies come from yeah. the poetic Edda. And then brilliantly, the prose Edda, which was basically a guidebook about how to write poetry, yeah, essentially, absolutely. which is yeah. an amazing idea, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I, I was really excited to to cover this story because, uh, like, Darren, do you know the story of the whole of Icelandic studies? The whole of Icelandic studies? Yes, the whole of Icelandic studies. Uh, that, that feels like a, we're going to have to extend the podcast by quite a few minutes. <laughs> Just a few minutes, I'll be quick. Because when <laughs> I, because the, the reason why I found it very exciting to be there at the opening of this house is because yeah. when I was a young man uh, in, in Reykjavik, um, this was just the hole in the ground for a very long oh, time. Oh, you mean a you mean a hole, not yes. a complete no, thing. No, no, no. Oh, I see. Because okay, right. They, they dug the foundation of this hole because they they had right. a in in two thousand six they announced that they were going to build this amazing house for Icelandic studies, um, and they had an architecture competition which was announced and the, the winner of in in. Uh, August 2008, just a few days before the collapse of the yes. old Icelandic banking system. So there was a few years where nothing happened. Then they dug a foundation and, and uh, it was just the foundation for mm. for six or seven years. And this is when I was hanging around there. So that was called the high, the, the whole of Icelandic studies. <laughs> um, and, and now it's the house. Now it's the house of Icelandic studies, finally. But this was a, a sort of... Yeah. A, 
a, so, a language joke for from wh- where is this in Reykjavik? If if someone wants to see it, and I think that's still possible for a while. So um, this is in in West Town, in sort of the college campus of Houskol Island. Okay. So it's on you, the you, it's on the campus. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, there is the main building, and then on the other side of of the street is both the National Library, uh, the the University Library, and this beautiful house uh, called Etta. And it is, from the photo, beautiful. You've seen it up close. Was it worth the wait, do you think? It's a, it's a very nice house. They, I, I think all the the humanities nerds and, and Icelandic studies <laughs> professors are going to have a great time there. It's a beautiful sort of in, in, indoor garden with mm. beautiful plants and and I think there's going to be some some great events there in the future. Yeah. So I think at the time that this did not get built, as you say, when the financial crisis happened, the Krepa happened, mm-hmm. um, Harpa was being built, wasn't it? And that was originally going to be an opera house yes. as well as a concert hall, and only one of it, one bit of that, got got made in the end. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, they found it difficult to to get funding for for this particular house uh, and f- for a long time so like from from 2008 until it was announced nothing really happened until just a few years ago when they started building it again in 2019 so there are spaces for the preservation research and exhibition of ancient icelandic documents space for teachers and scholars reading facilities for students lecture rooms teaching rooms a library with reading facilities it was open to the public on from thursday from the first day of summer do we uh, I mean, how how open to the public is this going to be? Does this now become an academic institution or will there be a chance, do you think, for the public to, to go in and see it and visit it and use it? Yeah, so this will primarily be a sort of an academic facility just with office for for, for academics and, and those who are studying um, many of, of the scripts. Uh, mm. But there will be open exhibitions uh, where you can go and see the actual manuscripts of some of the some of the Icelandic sort of um, uh, manuscripts, Flateyrbók um, and and mm. and other interesting uh, texts written on on skin uh, that have been stored in in Copenhagen for yeah. for uh, many many years. There will also be open events, and I think you can't just come in there and get a coffee uh, at some, but just just like with any other university building, because this is uh, now just the university building. It's also sort of the headquarters of of the Institute for Icelandic Studies. Mm. Um, so if you want to go there, you probably can at least soon. I'm not sure how available it is now while they're moving in and while they are are. Um, are well finding a way to store some of the manuscripts because yeah. because one of the biggest things about this is that there's in the cellar there is a very secure uh, facility for storage because one of the problems why we couldn't really keep the manuscripts um, the Icelandic manuscripts in Iceland was because of there wasn't good storage everything was really damp and and cold and and mm. sort of weird so this is a sort of Big moment for those who've wanted the manuscripts back home. Sure. I, I imagine that if you're talking about a manuscript that's, you know, the best part of a thousand years old, whatever it's written on, whether it's parchment or skin or paper, whatever it is, um, temperature, humidity, conditions have to be really well and carefully controlled. Yeah. And, and I was talking to the architect and he said, like, even if uh, there was a plane crash, if a, if a plane would land on the building, uh, the manuscripts would still be okay. Wow. <laughs> How did they test that? Uh, unclear. 
Bieta, thank you very much uh, for going through the week in Iceland. Thank you, Darren. Thank you for having me. Uh, we shall talk again. I want to finish today with a piece of music from someone who will be very familiar to you as one of the vocalists on the Hattari Eurovision performance. Hattarithmund uh, Sigra. He is Clemens Hannigan. He has gone solo, at least on this particular release. The song is called Never Loved Someone So Much. Came out on the 21st of April, just a few days ago, described as being bound to charm the hearts of any emotionally conscious being. You an emotionally conscious being? I like yeah. to think that I am, but I am an Icelandic person, so it's there there are some some uh, uh, some things that <laughs> in, in well, Let us see what effect this has then. This is uh, Clemens Hannigan never loved someone so much from the Ruve English podcast service. My name's Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company. And you can get in touch anytime by email. We are English at ruv.is. You can of course also find us on Twitter and on Facebook as well.
You're listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is/english.